Are you tired of being confused and frustrated by your business books? Do you want to do your own business bookkeeping but don't know where to begin? I can help. My name is Crystal Wombeck and I am a certified bookkeeper. I'm the creator of the Simple Bookkeeping Program. This online, work at your own pace video course will take you from confused to confident when it comes to your business books. Log into accountingbycrystal.com and sign up today. Why is the shopping cart always in the top right of the screen? How do companies predict my purchases? Why do prices end in nine? Why do fast food companies use red and yellow in their logos? Why do restaurants always have one expensive menu item? Researchers, marketers, and very curious people seek the answers for how we make decisions and how we choose products. Clicksuasion finds the secrets that companies use and shares them with you. Why do I feel better when I bought the last remaining airline ticket? How do I make choices based on colors and fonts? Welcome to Clicksuasion. This is your host, Michael Barbera. We're here with Manny Onical. Manny is currently the founder and CEO of TNL Media. He has previously spent his time with SVP Marketing, with Kip, Zynga, Microsoft, EA, and several other organizations, which pretty much comes around to gaming, partnerships, and marketing. Manny, tell us a little more about what you do as a branding expert in partnerships and marketing, etc. Uh, well, thank you very much for that introduction and very happy to be on the show. Um, I don't like to say I'm, a, I'm an expert in anything. I just love uh, the gaming industry and having worked in this space for 13 years now, um, I have the gray hair and the blood pressure to, to prove it. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I've been, I always like to say I've been a lifelong gamer since I was seven years old, got my first console and I'm old now, so you can do the math. And so I've been a, a gamer for over over three decades and, uh, you know, I love to tell my mom that all those hours of playing Nintendo finally paid off um, and I uh, I work in the, in the, in the gaming <laughs> industry. But so what I essentially do and what I've done for, you know, across the board, as you mentioned, with the companies like Xbox or EA or Zynga or Keeper or, or Major League Gaming, where I was most recently, um, has really helped to connect uh, brands and agencies into, you know, the gaming ecosystem and what, you know, what the various platforms are. You know, I first started off in dynamic advertising, you know, ads that changed out inside games like Madden and FIFA, moved on to, uh, you know, establishing a media platform like we did with EA's Global Media Sales Organization. Um, I then ran brand advertising at Zynga, so that was you know social and media integration, like games like Farmville and Cityville. Uh, Keep, I got mobile experience, so now you know you're very familiar with rewarded advertising. Watch this video, get ten coins, or complete this transaction, run five miles, and get something sent to you. Um, and then you know, but the esports side is really helping you know brands understand the opportunity and engage audience, you know, reaching that young demographic that's not watching TV or or really spending in the areas they want to spend on. So that's where I've been focused on in the past in the various areas and verticals and the companies that I've been associated with. So let's let the, the listeners do some math. What was your first gaming system? <laughs> I don't I honestly think that probably one percent of your listeners would know this. So this is a pretty you know, everyone says, you know, Atari is kind of the big launch for video games and then Nintendo with their first time in a system in 1984 after that. But I actually predate um, even Atari and my first system was the Intellivision, which I, got, I believe got released in 1981, if my math is correct. So the Intellivision was a very old system pre-Atari uh, days and 
very difficult to use and not very user-friendly. As a matter of fact, I even go before that had a Texas Instruments, which was really a computer, which also played games as well. So I'm an old, old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Age is only as old as you feel. Absolutely. So when you were with Zynga and you were the director of brand advertising, how did your role influence, say, sales, branding in the UX departments? Um, yeah, one, I would say that I, my job in doing a running brand sales, which is, you know, talking to the ad agencies of the world, you know, working with brands like McDonald's, T-Mobile, Farmers Insurance, Coca-Cola, you know, brands understand that, hey, you know, we've got a monthly user base of 100 million people, you know, almost 30 to 40 to 50 million people playing on a daily basis. You know, they're playing for, you know, sometimes, you know, over an hour every single day. They're coming back multiple times a day. So had to sell that into into brands and agencies. But honestly, my most difficult challenge was selling internally at Zynga because at that time when I was there, when the rocket ship was going up and we were making millions of dollars a day on our transactions, it was very hard for me to just get engineering time or an art director's time to say, hey, could we please take, um, you know, a half a million or a million dollars from this brand, which is absurd to spend in the gaming space because you didn't see that amount of budgets to then spend for one day when, you know, those engineers could basically make a new game feature that would potentially produce $50,000 a day in revenue in perpetuity. So I would say that was, you know, kind of my role, what I did at Zynga externally, but really it was a much more challenging role internally to, you know, get that sale done because of a dev time. But then I also needed to prove that, hey, you know, having McDonald's in the game, having Cascadian Farms in the game or having Farmers Insurance in the game actually will help drive the value of the user experience and, and fans ultimately once we started doing it kept asking okay when's the next one coming when's the next one coming so that really helped uh help settle the uh the challenge internally where we always said fred zinga it was all about user experience it was all about our users you know mark pingas ceo said never forget it's all about user delight and we had you know, I love play science all over the Zynga headquarters. So that was extremely important to us as a company. Now, we can always plan and we can plan for days and for months to have the most perfect product, but eventually we have to launch and we have to give the users the chance to have that experience. How much does, say, gamification strategy change once you start receiving data on the user's behavior? Uh, that's a fantastic question. You know, I think the biggest thing that I will take away from from Zynga uh, for the rest of my life, uh, outside of being able to physically work almost a hundred hours a week for a year, <laughs> which I don't recommend anyone actually actually doing or or fly a hundred thousand airline miles in that same period. But the thing that I'll take away is, you know, what I call you know the triple D's, which is you know data driven decisions. And at Zynga, I, I jokingly said. And to some degree, it wasn't even a joke, which is that, you know, we would schedule bathroom breaks, you know, within an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, all, <laughs> everything that we did at Zynga was completely driven by data and what the user experience showed us. So essentially, the biggest thing that, you know, what Mark Pinkus told us, told us was essentially, you know, I won't say the uh, not safe for work word, but you could insert that here and say insert word it and then just test it, you know, which is essentially just launch a feature, launch a game or whatever. We have the platform, we have millions of users. Let's just go ahead and test it and see if it works. Like we don't need to spend 
$100 million on a console game to develop it, seeing if the idea of, hey, you know, this fantastical, magical, mythical world is going to make a billion dollars. We don't need to take that bet. We can release those features, you know, on a daily basis or even multiple days of basis. We could tweak that, you know, throughout the day saying, okay, increase the price by 1% or is this color doing better than this color? I mean, the amount of A-B testing we did uh, was incredible. So to long answer to your question, it's essentially as soon as we started getting data back, we would adjust constantly on the fly and we have systems and algorithms that would almost do, you know, pricing, uh, you know, not, that wasn't based manually, which is that if we saw that, okay, this price sale was performing, you know, 20% was performing much better than 30%, even though we were giving away a higher percentage of, of that sale, you know, it would, uh, the pricing would automatically switch to that. So everything was based on data. How much would you say, well, let me rephrase that actually. How much, this is a loaded question, Manny, how much is too much data? <laughs> um, that, that's, a, that's a fantastic <laughs> question. I mean, you're talking to someone who's a, who's a data nerd, you know, who's extremely analytical. I'm a, I'm, a guy, I'm a guy that loves data. And I think uh, one thing that I've learned over my, my career sort of working on more the analysis operation strategy, um, you know, essentially execution side is sometimes you do get bogged down in, you know, what's called, you know, paralysis or analysis paralysis, you know, which is you essentially, <laughs> you're crunching just way too much numbers to essentially, you need to make a decision. So, you know, what I ultimately say, which is that, you know, at a certain point is, you know, we have the data, we have choices one, two, and three. Like we just have, we just have to make the decision. Like we don't have a choice there. So, you know, to the answer to the question is, is it's, it does get challenging when you're taking in so much data. So as a matter of fact, Zynga had the largest data warehouse outside of Wall Street. So everyone thought we were a gaming company. We were really an analytics company that was masquerading as a gaming platform. Um, you know, we had we used spreadsheets more than we used uh, game development tools, I would say as well. But, you know, at a certain point, you know, we had daily, we had weekly and monthly OKRs or, or deliverables. So for us, it wasn't a question of, you know, do we have enough data? It was almost, it was always, we have too much data. We need to make a decision by 5 p.m. today for our meeting for tomorrow morning. So we were just forced to do it by time. So Manny, if someone said you only have one thing you can measure and one way to measure it, um, what would it be? What would be your preference? I mean, I, th I don't think there's a, a universal an answer for that metric. I mean, I think it depends, you know, across the board what you're selling. Like, are you selling a service, uh, you know, a SaaS product? You know, what's your user retention rate? You know, what's your, your monthly recurring revenue over time? Is that growing? Are you essentially, I mean, most importantly, are your users happy? Are they paying you that, that monthly subscription service? Then, you know, are you selling, you know, physical goods? Like, are you keeping up with hardware are you keeping up with you know essentially the innovation in this space um but for me you know i think what it always boils down to is um you know at, at zynga our main uh i guess metric was nps which is net promoter score and that's become a big thing in the valley which is okay how much is someone willing to talk about your product so if i would have to say you know one universal metric that is the most important thing to me i think it always comes back to customer satisfaction, which is, you know, you go have an experience 10 times, it's great. 
you're not really going to write about it. But you have that one bad experience at a restaurant, you go write about it on, on Yelp review and, you know, that ruins the restaurant <laughs> score for that day. So, you know, people remember that one bad experience more so than the 20 good experiences they had. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely... Uh, customer loyal you know i drink a lot of red bull a day so red bull that's another shout out for you i need i need another case please <laughs> uh sent to my house but you know i spent over at least i mean let's not even consider you know at the clubs and entertaining guests the red bull vodka but for just caffeine alone i've probably spent at least ten fifteen thousand dollars over the last 50, uh, 20 years of my life and you know if no product comes out that's you know that gives me that same boost or nootropics that are going out you know they have my money and that same goes for cell phones and same goes for cars and things like that so I'm, I'm a brand loyalist so i think customer satisfaction is the most important metric for me you, you know that that um red bull's not going to help you with that 100 hours of uh you know no sleep <laughs> <laughs> that's very very true <laughs> Yeah, and you and I both know how valuable WAM or word of mouth is to to an organization, and it's so important. It's vital to solicit your your own network to get more users into a game. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of soliciting or crowdsourcing your friends for, say, in-game incentives? Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's an interesting question, especially. Um, I think Zynga pioneered, if you want, if that's the right word, the notion of virality and sort of getting your friends to help spread the message. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Zynga, we didn't have our own platform. We were completely 100% reliable on Zuckerberg's platform, which turns out to be the largest platform in the world with over a billion users now, you know, which is Facebook. So, you know, for us is, you know, we we used what market already created, which is internally, which is that, you know, what's the best way to connect, you know, my friends and my network, stay in touch with them, see what their updates are, see what their latest dog pictures are. They just had a baby and here's Here's the 800th picture for the for, for the first <laughs> month that you're gonna see. So he already he cracked that sort of mystery of how to stay connected, and you know the algorithmic feed is okay. Well, I tend to engage more with this friend, so I'm gonna see that person's news or photos more so in my news feed than someone else's that I don't click on. So Mark and Facebook, he already created that. So we just took the what he had already built and built something on top of that, which is okay. You know, ask ask your friends or as some people may say spam all 800 of your facebook <laughs> friends for hey i need a new shovel you know to hit my 10 goals so i can build this tractor and get do a little faster plowing on my farm and in, in, in farm bills so again long answer to your question is is it how important is word of mouth i think word of mouth and you know that i mean i think you know that mark being said that for for decades now is, you know, customer satisfaction reviews, word of mouth is how people essentially get, you know, buy products and it is their most trusted review versus a commercial or branded content or, you know, um, or an actual review written by your, your tech reviewer as well. So I think word of mouth is extremely important. I think customer satisfaction is very important. However, on the flip side is, you know, if, if, the, if you take that notion of, okay, your friend has to do an action so you could complete an action in the game, which was basically what, um, you know, a lot of Zynga's early games, especially Farmville was early on, you know, it was extremely 
um, incentive, um, ask your friend heavy, um, to use that political ter correct term. Um, so I think with that, you just need to be careful because um, I, I think we got dinged on that relatively early on. You always want to look your best, but you don't always have time to deal with a necktie that won't cooperate. That's where we come in. Introducing the Never Tie, the only necktie that you never have to tie. Each Never Tie comes with a tie and two removable knots that you simply slide on and adjust for your comfort, giving you the perfect look every time. Choose from over 20 stylish designs at thenevertie.com. You know, that shovel that you mentioned provides intangible value to the user. And if it takes me to spam 800 of my closest friends on Facebook or other social platforms to get that shovel, I just might do it. What are some of the behaviors or motivations for a user or an individual to um, to want to possess an intangible brand item. So say, you know, a Big Mac from McDonald's or be an Amex user in um, an alternate reality. Yeah, no, that's that's a fantastic question. I would say, you know, if, if I ever do write a, a book on how, you know, the, the gaming industry, I would say one of the biggest questions and, you know, the top questions I've gotten over you know, over years and, you know, over a decade plus is, wait a second. So someone is paying money. So their avatar in the game is not wearing a blue shirt, but a red robe. They're paying $5 for that. Like that concept is still so crazy to people that they don't understand that people spend virtual real money for something that they can't touch. It's something completely intangible. And the way that I say is that, okay, well, how much did you spend for your Jets game you went to this weekend? Okay, you spent over $100 each per ticket. You spent, you know, X amount of dollars for parking. You probably spent $10 per beer at the stadium. I mean, that was maybe, you know, $1,000 you spent this on just to go into your football game. So, you know, why I I believe that, like, you know, no one really has a right to judge someone else, you know, just for many reasons, but, you know, it's a form of entertainment. So I think that's the biggest thing for people to get across. Right now in esports, you know, there are gambling sites where you can basically, you know, pay real money uh, to essentially gamble to win skins. And skin is essentially just a different color or a different design for your guns in games like Counter-Strike. That gambling industry for essentially changing the color of your gun, which doesn't make your gun any better, doesn't make you any faster, it's just it's just like wearing a different a red shirt versus a blue shirt. I mean, that's a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, EA alone is going to make over a billion dollars on in-game purchases this year within Madden and FIFA. So it's a, it's a very hard concept to understand if that's not something you like to do. But I always just go back to, okay, tell me what you like. Okay, you like golf? So you're going to spend $35 on a, a leather golf club versus $10? Why is that? Like, you're going to spend this much on, on this per golf ball versus this golf ball that's going to make you go 10 yards faster? Or you like Callaway shirt versus Nike shirt? It's the same thing. Is that, you know, gaming is a form of entertainment, and people still don't realize that the gaming industry makes more money than the movie industry and the music industry combined. So when you look at celebrities, you know, we look at them as the superstars, but, you know, gaming is really, you know, the next truly global sport and, you know, one of the biggest industries out there right now. 
You mentioned that Nike shirt. So if I had, you know, a personality in an alternate reality and I want to have that Nike shirt, I can't just, as, as a developer, I can't just put that swoosh onto that shirt because there's still intellectual property concerns in alternate reality. And we've learned that from, you know, recent case law that's, that's coming about with um, lawsuits. So what would make for, say, a successful partnership? Because obviously if you wanted that swoosh, you'd have to partner with Nike or a competing organization to have their brand on your game. What, so what would make a successful partnership between um, the gaming organization and the the brand that wants to have their brand associated on that gaming platform. So I'll give you two different examples. So one is that, you know, going back to my days at Zynga or EA or Xbox, um, gamers will always do something. There's a couple of traits you need to know about the gaming audience. One is they will always love free stuff. Like you give them anything free, <laughs> they will absolutely love that. So, you know, which is like, hey, Buy a Dr. Pepper and underneath the cap, there's a code to get, again, a free uniform or a free gunsing color. They love free stuff. So that's always a huge trait. The next thing that they are is they're completionists, you know. So what they like to do is, for example, if there's 10 items in the game where you need to complete this quest, they're very big on completing something. So that's another reason why that association with that virtual item is very key. So for sort of the two examples I'll give is one from the brand side is, okay, if McDonald's is going to have a farm inside Farmville for one day only, and then you can get a McDonald's truck or, for example, a farmer's insurance is going to have a one-day-only farm where you get the farmer's insurance blimp, which then if you use it three times a month, you know, it'll protect your farm from drought or whatever it may be. So, you know, those are actions where it's a reward to the brand for them getting the obviously engagement and the happiness. And then, hey, fans are like, oh, awesome, McDonald's. Thank you for this. Or, oh, hey, you know, farmer's insurance. We love you for that. And then, you know, the users get the love. The brand partnership gets the love. And then obviously from the gay publisher side, there's the economics of, of selling that from a brand and advertising perspective. And on the flip side is now what you're seeing is actual you know esports teams like you know i'll say that again like there are teams made up of professional video game players there are many of them um you know bought now by professional teams as well the miami heat invested in a team um the dodgers wizards group axiomatic recently invested in a team 76ers bought two teams there have been 30 professional teams in Europe that have now sponsored or invested in esports teams as well. So from that side is then, you know, you're talking about the team, like for example, you know, in LA, you obviously the Dodgers and Lakers are very popular, but then you look at the team like Team Liquid or Cloud9, which are also very popular esports teams. Now you could sell that merchandise inside the game. For example, a Team Liquid or a C9 gun skin or for example um, a shirt inside of the game um, and I ran into someone at Starbucks and you know we just started talking and you know he has purchased every single virtual item for every player for one of his favorite teams that he likes his team happens to be Ukrainian he's like I've paid a dollar for each of the five stickers and I'll pay five dollars for the team sticker when it comes out so you know there's a huge opportunity there on their virtual side, you know, once you wrap your head around that, it, it's just entertainment like anything else. If I was to say, Manny, go in this closet and I was to lock you in there for, say, three days and you couldn't come out until 
you had, you know, written your book. And earlier you mentioned <laughs> that you would you want to write or that you could write a book with all this content. And that's probably accurate. So when should we expect your book? Uh, when should we expect my book? Well, let's see. I mean, I have to get the uh, four other companies I'm working on off the ground uh, first. But, you know, I, I do sort of, you know, you know I write daily basis on the next level for, you know, the business side of it. But, you know, on a personal side, you know, I just I try to do some writing as well just in terms of, what it's like, you know, starting a company from scratch, doing it by yourself and, you know, putting into that. So, you know, I'd love for a book to come out, you know, I would say within the next uh, two years is probably, you know, my target right now. But the thing that I, I would want to focus on is not only, you know, just from a business side, I think there's plenty of business books out there and there are people much smarter than me and much more experienced than me that can provide better experience. I think what I want to show is much more, you know, which is, the human side and the human toll, which is that, you know, if you want to build something from scratch and if you really want to work for yourself, which is, you know, the most rewarding thing and also the most uh, stressful thing and you do your know, lack of sleep is, you know, you need to be prepared for what are you willing to give up, you know. So, for example, Friday night comes around, I get all my tweets and messages and text my friends like, yo, we're going out, we're at this bar, woo, Friday. I'm like, I love Friday nights because, you know, that's when I get my most productive night of the week is Friday nights because everyone takes time off and goes out to dinner and, you know, does does enjoyable things and I get work done. And, you know, I love, I love the weekends and I love Sunday because, you know, I can just get 12 hours of work done as well. So I think, you know, when that book finally comes out, you know, I want to focus on really more the human experience side and the toll and then knowing that, hey, you know, even though you may think it's the best idea and you're going to put your heart and soul into it, there's a 95, 8% chance that you're going to fail and what that feels like on a daily basis. So, you know, I think that's the focus I'm trying to do. So let's aim for two years since you gave me that, uh, you gave me the ETA I need to, I need to deliver on now. <laughs> You're on the clock now, so you have two years from the publishing of this podcast. We're going to follow up with you. <laughs> I will. I will for sure. What are some books that have influenced you, uh, you know, whether as a young adult or even recently? Um, wow. You know, I, I, I would say – let me – I'll answer the question – in two different ways is one is I tend to read I mean, one I, I just I read a lot in general so I probably just consume just a lot of just media much more than the average person so I would say my time is spent between you know one third completely focused on esports you know fifty percent focused on esports twenty five percent probably focused on world politics and issues and twenty five percent you know focused on on pop culture. So I tend to read, so if I read books, I tend to read, you know, mostly, uh, you know, nonfiction. Uh, so, you know, I just recently finished Dreamland, which is about, you know, the opiate crisis in Ohio and sort of what's going on there and sort of what can be done from a solution. So I don't, I don't generally read business books because I get a lot of my business information from people that, you know, I think are successful and doing well. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a huge, influence for me so he puts out a ton of content so you know watching a daily is very it's very important for me but if i would say you know what i tell my athletes you know the people the players on my esports team that i have is there's three things that i basically give them and i say okay if i want you to watch this you know watch gary v's videos his motivation essentially watch daily v any, anytime you can it's less than 10 minutes Two, listen to this um, even if you don't like hip hop, you know, just listen to the words or find the lyrics is 
listen to Jay-Z's first album, which is Reasonable Doubt, um, because it, you know, a lot of people say it's all, hey, it's just about drug dealing. But if you listen closely, it is probably one of the best sources of business advice that can be given, which is that, you know, no, nothing's going to be given to you for free. You got to go out there and hustle. You got to do this every single day. There are dangers around every corner. People are out there going to get you and, you know, nothing's going to make it unless you believe in yourself and hard work. And I think that's what he answers. And then to actually answer your question, book, the one book that I recommend is, uh, and it was, it's not a recent book. It was written, I think in the 14th century, which is, uh, Machiavelli's the Prince, uh, you know, because, yeah, you know, when you read that book, you know, I mean, the key learning from that book is essentially, you know, do the ends justify the means. And, um, you know, I think it's a core, value that anyone has to ask in either life, love, or, or business, you know, which is, you know, do the ends justify the means. And so that's a book I always recommend that people read just to get a basis of, um, is what you're doing providing the ROI and the investment of where you want to go to, uh, five, 10, 20 years from now. You know, Jay-Z does own several businesses and he can be considered <laughs> a professional in business or – however, that is probably the first time I've heard anyone reference a uh, hip-hop or a rap album um, for business advice. And I'm sure there's really good content in there and, and you have a really good take on it. So I would say I would say people you know underestimate the hip-hop industry because, I mean, if you look at a lot of the artists today is they've realized that, you know, why are they putting out – free albums why does drake you're just release new songs because you know they're, he's making money through nike through apple through other partnerships and you know realize is the music industry you're not going to make your money selling cds anymore it's you got to do you got to think outside of that model and i think hip-hop you know the way they've embraced social media the way they embrace twitter first you know what they do on instagram i think it's uh, really interesting to follow and, and i'll end with this with jay-z's line is like he says i'm not a businessman I am business, comma, man. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it up to Jay, you know. I mean, and if Apple's going to buy a title for half a billion, you know, he's a smart guy. What is what is next for Manny? Well, what's next for me? Um, I would like to get some sleep in the next year. I think that's the <laughs> so first thing on the agenda. Quit, quit the Red Bull. Get, yeah, quit the Red Bull and quit uh, running five companies uh, by myself. Um, but hopefully what's next for me is um, I, you know, there'll be some announcements in the next, hopefully, month or so on uh, company number four, which will be launching um, in the esports space, which I think will be very interesting. And the partners we have lined up and some of the investors, I think is going to be um, really interesting in this space. And we'll be happy to talk about that later. But uh, the biggest thing, I think it's going to happen for me is I'm um, working on a larger partnership to essentially combine everything I'm building in the esports ecosystem and uh, essentially bring that into a larger company and say, hey, you know, let's really help drive this industry forward and across your different div different divisions um, and areas and platforms you play in. You know, let's work together on that. So that's next for me. And hopefully um, within the next two months, um, I'll... Uh, I'll be able to smile and uh, actually get a peaceful <laughs> night's sleep um, in the last one year and one week, not that I'm counting, um, since I've slept last. But I'm enjoying myself, so I can't complain. Right. Only do it if you're having fun. If you're not having fun, don't do it. So I, I support that. I'm a huge advocate of that. Absolutely. Manny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Um, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, how could they reach you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my website, the next level, is tnl.media. Uh, my Twitter is just at Mannyonical, M-A-N-N-Y-A-N-E-K-L. And I'll, even I'll give you my email. It's, uh, you know, it's manny at tnl.media. Uh, I'm happy to always give, you know, someone five, ten minutes of my time um, just because no one ever gave me that. And uh, I always believe in giving back. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions and uh, happy to talk to anyone out there. Man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, on, and uh, you have a great rest of your week. You too. Listeners, thanks for listening to The Click Suasion. Go ahead and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Click Suasion. Subscribe to the podcast, read our research, and get in touch with us at clicksuasion.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at clicksuasion.com.